What's up, Maselli? Hey. <laughs> I'm so nervous every time now. I'm so nervous. I don't think the listeners. Okay, so basically we have this game. I know we're three, three episodes in, which we made our own thing. I know it's like, nobody what? gets no, it. Nope. So every time he says "Hey," it's always a surprise of how I'm going to respond back, um, and it's just a little fun ditty that we entertain ourselves with. But you can be in on it too. Be in on the joke, guys. It's fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's 100 for us. Uh, okay, I'm here. We are a day late getting this episode out because, um, well, because all of this is happening in real time. You all out there are listening to me um, have a five-week-old mm-hmm. and also try to make a podcast about having a five-week-old. So, AKA, he's tired. Right, right. <laughs> you, we can, we're either going to go on this journey together and it's going to be fun and uplifting, <laughs> or you're going to watch me slowly unravel. And at some point, Nacelli's just going to be on here I'm saying, just gonna take over. we had to take him to the hospital. That's yeah. it. He's, he's done. <laughs> we had to call it. Um, this week's guest, Michelle, is a friend of mine. She's got three boys. Um, and she runs a company called Little Spoon, which is awesome. They do organic baby food. They've got a bunch of other stuff coming out too, um, which oh, is cool. Nice. Um, you can follow them on our social media. They also do this really cool thing called Is This Normal? Uh, and she talks about it on the episode, so I won't uh, stomp on it right now. But it's a really cool thing. It's exactly what we're looking for here. It's just a community of parents that have questions. Is it normal that my kid won't sleep at night? Is it normal? Is this is this kind of poop normal? So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. She's got some great advice. Uh, check out Little Spoon and check out Is This Normal? And uh, here we go. <laughs> What's up, Michelle? Hey, Jonathan. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks That's for coming. That's my pleasure. In. This is so much fun. Um, and you get a chance to go to Titan Grocery. Yes, but <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I'm going to correct you. It's not Titan. It's Teton. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I don't think I've. I think I've just been way too a dumb American for that the entire time. Yeah, I lived a block You're away. like Astoria 2.0, right? <laughs> like Astoria 1.0 knows it's Teton. Yeah. So excited to hit it up. Teton, the best feta in New York. The best feta. Potentially in the U.S. They wow. import from Greece. It's okay. like the real deal. Okay. Yeah, that's like the, the New York Greeks. That's where they shop. Yeah. So I've known you since your first son was a baby. Pierce uh, was one of my first New York Manny experiences. I would, yeah. I would pop in and Manny sometimes. And I had him, I think I think he was two or three-ish uh, when he was taking gymnastics. It was that's early right. on gymnastics. Yes. And at gymnastics one day, some of the other ladies, nannies or moms, uh, asked me uh, how old he was. And I said, uh, you know what? I'm not sure. Pierce, when's your birthday, buddy? And they all looked at me with such disgust. <laughs> and then I realized I had to say, oh, I'm not his dad. I'm just, the, I'm not the dad. I'm, I'm, I'm the man. Yeah, 100%. They were like, this father doesn't know his son's birthday. That's this hilarious. Is I don't know if you've ever told me that story. <laughs> Have I not? Oh, That's man. hilarious. <laughs> oh, was, my God. And it didn't even, like, click at first, right? Like, I just, I'm asking Pierce when his birthday is. I feel like he was smart and he was old enough to know. Yeah, of And course. he did. Like, it's a fun, like, show-off thing for a young kid to be able to totally. say his birthday. It's one of the first things they memorize. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, like, enjoyed that moment. <laughs> and then I look around and just <laughs> daggers, daggers from That's these hilarious. women. hilarious. That's yeah. hilarious. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Love it. Well, fast forward. So his birthday is actually next week. Yeah. And he's turning 12. Ay, ay, ay. All right. It's flying. You got uh, <laughs> 12-year-old Pierce. Mm-hmm. And then Rye is? Rylan is nine. And then Brant is seven. Okay. I mean, let's dive in. Like, So you're a mother of three. I am. You, we're in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um Dare I say you were a young mother when you started this game? Uh, yes. Yeah. Very young. <laughs> Very young. So you are uh, a baby at 24 years old, at almost 24 years old, having your first baby. Yes. Um, and then I mean, my math is so, but they're like three years apart-ish. Uh, right yeah. Three, yeah. Two and a half, three years apart. Pierce to Rylan is two and a half. And then Rylan to Brand is 22 okay. months. Talk to me about being such a young parent, because my perspective now is not that I am grown. I mean, 37, having our first kid, and I cannot imagine having been 24 and 
raising a child. Um, so we had very different, well, I, maybe I'm wrong. I was going to say we had very different 20s, but I'm not. What were the, what were like the 20s like as a young parent? Wow. I mean, my 20s were probably night and day different compared to the vast majority of Americans 20s yeah. experience, right? Um, a lot of us are, you know, young professionals and starting to make some headway in our career, or maybe starting to make money for the first time in our lives and have disposable income and, you know, travels come and, um, you know, late nights with friends and bottle service and <laughs> all that kind of debauchery, which is fantastic. I mean, it's a blast, right? Um, I did not experience too much of that. Yeah. I, I did for like the very, very early 20s, sure. but that went, came to a screeching halt um, pretty quick. But, um, you know, I I went through waves of transition. So um, it was very hard for me initially in the first two, three months after Pierce was born. You know, I'd be Sunday morning at 7 a.m. He's wide awake and I'm out strolling him around and I don't hear from any of my friends until afternoon because they were out till 2 a.m. and they're sleeping off their hangover, you know. Yeah. Um, so I definitely experienced a lot of loneliness. Um, my family was all in Texas at the time. My sister was uh, at school in California. So, um, you know, didn't have any family close by to connect with or call in the troops, you know, yeah. when I'm having a bad day or feeling sick. So it was really lonely and it was tough. Um, I definitely experienced what I now recognize as postpartum depression. Yeah. And I think um, in the parenting world, we're doing a really good job about talking more around postpartum depression, the look, the feel, the symptoms. Um, back when I went through it, it was very extremist. So your doctor would say to you, you know, do you have desires to kill yourself? Do you want to kill your baby? Which is very extreme. Right. Right. But <laughs> But nobody talks about like, do you just not really want to get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. You know, which is kind of mild, but it is a sign. And and I also think that, um, you know, just like the mental wellness community has done an incredible job around um, kind of peeling the layers back and making things not so taboo to talk about. So um, at that time, you know, we're talking 12 years ago, mental illness or challenges or depression was very taboo. We didn't talk about those things. Yeah. We were waspy, right? Like everything's fine. Right. We're happy. Um, so, you know, I was kind of in this weird in between of like, well, I don't want to jump out a window and I certainly don't want to kill my baby, but I'm not feeling myself either. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I still think that there's a lot of headway we need to make around um, talking through what all the symptoms are and, and making people feel more comfortable to share. Um, but it, it really um, it was probably about like a six to an eight month fog for me. And then um, I don't know, somewhere around like when my son was about nine months, all of a sudden the fog kind of lifted. And interestingly, when I reflect back, um, I was lucky enough to breastfeed my son and produced a lot. So I froze a ton, um, in my freezer and he ended up weaning himself around nine months, which I kind of was like, what are you doing? I thought this was like my choice, not yours. Um, but I was like, all right, I guess this is happening. So he ended up having some frozen milk for like the remainder of his first year. And I remember just like, as soon as I got my period back and like, it was like, I became a human again. Yeah. And so um, we can touch on that later, but yeah. like, you know, the hormones and all of that certainly plays a role in it. You just don't quite feel yourself. And especially if you don't have that community support around you, um, it's even more challenging because you never really catch up on your sleep, you know? Right. I mean, that's the, the, the baseline I keep hearing is, I mean, sleep is out the window. So mm -hmm. don't even think about sleep for a while. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, so you didn't have much of a, a community at first. Did you have it? Did you intentionally seek out at that point or did it, was it like first time around that it kind of at that nine month mark work out for you or you, were you looking for help? Were yeah, you able to recognize so it all? I didn't, I mean, to me, like here in New York, uh, for better or worse, the idea of having a baby nurse slash nanny immediately is very normal. A lot of people do that, but I grew up in Texas and that was not normal, yeah. you know, that it was an anomaly. And, um, but in hindsight, reflecting back, we also had an abundance of family around. Right. So, um, you know, my mom and dad were able to drop me off with my mom's parents right. for a weekend and have 24, 36 hours to catch up on sleep, you know? 
Um, so I, I don't think the need is really there when you have that amazing family support around you. Um, so I kind of just naively thought, oh, I can do this on my own. I'll be fine. Yeah. And the truth is, is, I mean, babies are just so much heavy lifting. Um, you think about it, they can't walk, right? So right. you kind of, you have to pick them up. You have to hold them to feed them, to pat their backs, to burp them, to rock them to sleep. It's just so like just labor intensive, yeah. I guess. And the more set of hands that you can have around, the better. And so when you're trying to be mom, dad, you know, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, it's just 24 seven yeah. and you can never really get ahead of it all. It's exhausting. So even when it's not, you know, what goes into the, the package of postpartum depression that mm -hmm. fits with the label, there's still a lot of shit that you got to deal with. I mean, right. like I don't do great without sleep. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. just true. So if you add on top of like just the baseline of no sleep and then all these new things that I don't know that I haven't experienced before, yeah. And certainly you're so out of your element. Yeah. And nobody likes that. Nobody we don't likes like that. to feel out of control yeah. or, you know, uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, look, at the end of the day, there is a very real reason why different people use sleep deprivation as a form of torture and warfare. <laughs> I mean, it's a real thing. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that I said to my ex-husband, I, I kid you not, I quote, this came out of my mouth. You ruined my life. <laughs> Literally. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. No, <laughs> like, I mean, it's funny now, too. But like, <laughs> the time he was like, he literally sat me down and said, you have to stop saying this to me. <laughs> like, this is just mean. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, sleep deprivation will will take down the most put together human ever. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're, we're not built to design to to survive without yeah. rest, you know? And I, I like to think of it as um, kind of being hazed into parenthood, right? Like, <laughs> like kind of like fraternity okay. hazing. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> I like that a lot. So maybe like uh, a bit of advice I could take from you right now is uh, some things might get said. A, maybe, maybe try to recognize what's going on before you say them, but also recognize how to interpret what's being said yes. and be, be prepared for the fact that we will be mid torture routine. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? I actually heard something. So I learned from baby number one and for baby number two, I had a night nurse, a baby nurse mm -hmm. who helped out with, you know, the night feedings and getting him back to sleep so that I could function during the day and go to work. Um, but I remember her sharing a story with me that she had a family she worked with in the past and the wife was definitely working with some postpartum depression and they made a pact together her husband, the night nurse and her, that if she was feeling really low or overwhelmingly sad or maybe negative towards her baby, that she would tell the night nurse, I need to take a walk. And she'd pass the baby over and she'd leave and shut the door and no one would say a word. Great. And it was kind of like an understood pact or free yeah. pass, like go kind take a, a walk, get some fresh air. For your mental health. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. And and sometimes that's all you need. Like go yeah. take a 20 minute walk around the block or like go grab a coffee and come back. But just having the ability to take a pause and step away, even yeah. if it's five, 10 minutes or an hour, um, I think really can make or break that. Yeah that challenging time the first three, four months after a baby's born. And it seems like that's probably in and of itself a tough hurdle to, because then you have to admit that you need that. And that's a hard thing to do. Nobody likes to admit they yeah. need help or they're vulnerable yeah. and especially going into parenthood. And I mean, we can dive way deep into this, but you know, I'm so grateful that when Pierce was born, Instagram did not exist. <laughs> Social media was not what it is today. And I, Truthfully, I don't know how new moms go through this now because when you look on Instagram, all these influencers with their perfectly posed photos and, yeah. you know, their pregnancy photo shoot and their loving husband and their perfectly blown out hair and yeah. their makeup's fabulous and their baby never cries and they're always in high heels. And, and everyone has abs. How the fuck and, does and everyone they have, have abs? Yeah, pre-pregnancy <laughs> jeans on like five weeks after the baby popped out. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So I, I don't know how anyone's holding up to that type of pressure now. I mean, I felt it enough without all of those layers. Yeah. And the truth is, is that's just not reality, right. you know? And and so I'm I'm glad that people are starting to have conversations around the, the challenging, the vulnerable aspects yeah. of this transition. 
and being okay to ask for help or to step away from a situation to take a breath. And that's okay. There is nothing wrong with you. It's okay to not be in love with everything that happens in parenthood. Yeah. I, that's, it's so, like you said, it's, it's refreshing to hear that out loud. It's new to hear that out loud. Yeah. Because there's also like, I don't have any intention of getting anyone myself or anyone else to shy away from how much they love their kid. Like, of course it's, I mean, hopefully it's brilliant and worth it and all of the great fulfilling things that come from it. It also just sucks sometimes. And I feel like maybe people are just afraid, like it's going to come across like you're ungrateful because some people can't have kids that want kids. Some people have had harder times with other issues of pregnancy and childbirth and child rearing. And it's, you know, count ourselves lucky. Those, those who can have children, but there's also, it's worth saying sometimes it sucks and it's really hard and I don't, I can't wear this mask and do all the hard work. Right. I mean, we can't do all the things for all the people all the time. And, you know, if you think about it in a grander context, it's like, okay, I'm allowed to gripe about work. Right. You know, there's parts that I love about it and, you know, I'm passionate and I'm pursuing this career or what have you. But yeah, there's 10% that really sucks. Yeah. And I hate having to do, but it's a necessary part of it. And that's like an accepted line across the board. Everyone can just bitch about their job. Or how about like in-laws? Yeah. Like there's things that you love and then there's things that you literally want to throw them out the window over, right? Like, or even your own parents, right? Right. And that's totally, totally permissible to say out loud in public. Yeah. But it's weird that there's still a stigma to say like, oh my God, I can't stand it that when I finally laid down to go to bed after doing a million things today, my kid needs a cup of freaking water, like (laughs) enough, you know, like I hate that part of parenthood. Yeah. But because I hate that part of parenthood, it doesn't mean I'm a bad parent or that I don't love my kid. Right. And I like, that's, what's confusing me. And like, where did those things get tied together? Yeah. You know, like, why do we have to love it all? Yeah. I don't know. That's not normal. I think that across, (laughs) yeah. I mean, that's, it's all denial, right? It's all, it's all, I mean, I feel like the older I get, it's not like that has changed. That's a new thing for our generation. And maybe we're different generations of parenthood parents, but, but, um, no part of me believes that like all of a sudden it's hard and our parents actually had this great, easy journey because now my mom who had four children and loves nothing more than being a grandmother and can't wait to meet my son. Her first phrase all the time is babies are hard. (laughs) Like that's all that's like, so it's always been hard. Yeah. So for, for whatever reason, whether it's uh, embarrassment to talk about it or or feeling like you sound ungrateful, people haven't been talking about it, but then it gives this total misperception of what parenthood is, right. which is unhealthy from there. So it's like totally. just an uphill battle. And you know what? We're, we're in a really weird place, like politically, socially, like I don't, everybody is so alarmist right now yeah. and everybody's like willing to call you out on this and call you. I, it's almost like you can't even open up your mouth without being scared of saying yeah. something wrong and pissing off someone. Yeah. But like, I will say this, there are parts of parenthood that suck <laughs> and I would give anything to get free passes on like, you know, wiping my kid's butt or, you know, dealing with a recycling stomach bug in my house that's gone back like to me after going through all three kids. Yeah. Like, you know, there's parts that suck and yeah. I'm not a bad parent for saying that. Right. And like people just need to get over that. Right. You need to be able to say that. Yeah. I feel like it's very meta that there's just like garbage being taken out. There's some truck backing up. It's like <laughs> been backing up this whole conversation. Hashtag New York. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag parenting. <laughs> So true. So true. <laughs> we are we are taking this journey in real time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, one thing I did uh, tell my wife recently, because um, I go to therapy every week, and I that is uh, amazing. And I, and I will just say this: if if anyone, you know, I always say the people that tell me that they're expecting, I'm like, great. I hope you have an amazing couples counselor. <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah. you gotta go. Yeah, you gotta go. Yeah. Um, we. Uh, we did for our first uh, like pre-marriage and then during marriage. And we haven't been going as a couple. We haven't been going to couples counseling on a regular basis. But I go every week to a counselor. And but I that's great. Love it. I mean, That's you know, the best money you could ever spend yeah, to invest it's, in your your yeah. partnership. Absolutely. And I said recently, uh, I, I asked her, I said, um, do you think we can get back into some couple sessions? Just no matter what. Like not, not if something goes wrong. Like let's go ahead and plan on yes. doing that. And then the other thing is uh, kind of like you were saying about the night nurse, um, we came up with an agreement that 
uh, I asked if she wanted to just go ahead and make some some schedule make schedule some appointments for her just to go in and have that chance. And she was like, I don't know if I need that right away, um, but we'll see. And then I said, Well, how about this? How about if I schedule you an appointment? There's no questions asked, and you go. If if like from my, I won't give you shit for it. I won't. It's not from a judgmental place. It's, it's not from a place of love, right? So I, there, it won't be a conversation that has to be between us. But if yeah. but if I say, hey, I made an appointment for you with our counselor, she will say, great, thank you. And that is like, I love okay, that. Go, I go, love that. You know? And I mean, you can really look at that as self care. You know, yeah. I, I think. It's um, a chronic issue I see with women, um, especially during the transition into motherhood, that we want to be all things to everybody at all times. Yeah. And we, we we fail to stop and take care of ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, if we're burning the candle at both ends, how in the world can we be everything yeah. to everybody in all ways? And, you know, even at 100 percent, you're not going to be able to do that. So you're at, a, exactly. you're at a depletion and you're trying to be that. Like, exactly. I mean, you're practically running on fumes yeah. and, you know, self-care. I, I'm a huge believer in therapy. I think it is something everyone should be doing. Good yeah. times, bad times. Yeah. For all reasons, sure. um, because you love the people in your life and you love yourself. But, um, you know, it's hard sometimes to steal an hour. And so, you know, there are people who meditate. There are, yeah. you know, women that it's like grab a 10 or 15 minute bath, like whatever it is that you can kind of like reconnect to yourself. Yeah. It's really important to do. One thing I see, and look, I'm the last person that should be criticizing couples. I mean, I'm no longer married to my boy's father, but um, I, I will jump I, in and say that that's the healthy journey of that relationship, though. Like that was so best much better for my than, children. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. We, you know, he's a great dad. We co-parent together. I mean, he, he like literally could not be more loving to our children, and I'm grateful that they are. You know, they have such a good father. But for us, we were better off separate. Yeah. And, and that's totally cool. My one thing I will say is I see a lot of parents um, or couples that transition into parenthood together. They um, they move into a space of mommy and daddy mm. and they start calling each other mommy and daddy in front of the baby, which is totally fine. Of course, we don't want baby calling you Jonathan, <laughs> right? Like you're going to be daddy. Um, but it's important to not be daddy sometimes, yeah. you know, and, and reconnect as a couple and look at each other in the eye and, and that's great. You know what I mean? Like yeah. get, get, get out of the parenthood element and reconnect on that level and remind each other why you chose yeah. to be a couple. Yeah. I think a lot of times new parents, you know, you're overwhelmed, you're exhausted and, and the idea of going out and having an hour and a half date. For dinner, you're like, ah, I'd just rather be in my pajamas on the couch. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm exhausted and, you know, sit next to each other while you watch TV. But it's really, really important to, like, look each other in the eye, have a conversation, not be mommy and daddy yeah. for a minute and reconnect on that level. Because if you don't invest in that, like, eventually the chaos does subside. And you'll probably hear this theme as you talk to parents of children of all ages. But um, it's never easy it's just different. Yeah. Right? Like the, the challenges evolve and the ease evolves as well. Right. But um, I would say like the heavy lifting does subside and you will find that you have more times to reconnect and, you know, have eye contact and all of these things. But at the beginning, I think it's so important to make the effort to. Okay carve out the time for that yeah it has to be intentional right you have to make the it effort. has to yeah. be because it's just so overwhelming during yeah. those first few years and if you end up having another baby you know within two or three years after that like it, you're just really in the weeds for a while it's tough <laughs> it's tough yeah. as your mom said babies are hard babies are hard yeah <laughs> um let's talk about sex Mm -hmm. so, You've had sex. I've had sex. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. You got a baby on right, the way. I've right. got three. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at, I don't, I'm not sure when this will air, but at this point we are 30, we're in our 36th weeks and we are figuring it out logistically, like sure. how to keep a sex life. But, but it's weird for, I'm going to have to let her hear all this and make sure that this is all okay to go out on the air once we do it. But there's no way that this is gonna, that this the first time she hears this part can just be live. Of course. <laughs> but but recently I said uh I, I had to admit I kind of like had uh retired for the season. I was like, "Oh, mm -hmm. like 
I'm not, I don't feel uh, uncared for. I don't feel unattracted to. I just like, we're not really having sex right now. It's, it's logistically um, hard. Yeah. It's I like, mean, there's a, a ginormous baby right. belly right there. Right. And yeah. a lot and of the things. And she's probably hurting. Yeah. She's and, not comfortable. And it's not like yeah. a complaining, like she's overly complaining. It's just the truth is. She's not comfortable. Oh, yeah. The last month is absolutely the worst. I would even say, like, the last six to eight weeks. It's just not comfortable. And I can understand, like, not feeling sexy during that time. Right. Um, But, you know, in my mind, it was kind of like, okay, right now is tough. That's okay. Mm -hmm. We're in the off season right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, once (laughs) a baby gets here and everything has generally healed, we'll be back into... Preseason, at least. Yeah. Um, and this, I feel like that might be another area that I yeah. think I understand what's coming, and I am incorrect. <laughs> so, and and you would be in the majority. I think the vast majority of living and breathing men in America, the world, <laughs> you know, they they do something similar to to what you're doing. It's kind of like ah, oh, like wifey's like really ready to go and. You know, there's even um, rumors. I don't even know if it's accurate, but I do remember um, being told by my doctor that if I wanted to help the baby come faster, that having sex was helpful and that, like, actually, like, semen can help efface the cervix to get the baby to drop and go into labor. So put that in your back pocket right. <laughs> but um if you if you need to maybe help out if she's overdue one day um but um you know a lot of a lot of men are just kind of like uh like you know my baby's really there and yeah. like this seems kind of weird like we've yeah. got a third participant right you know it, it's not like in that first trimester right right um so i think a lot of men do what you're doing and and kind of hang up their hat for the season, so to speak. Um, but they think, okay, baby will deliver. A week or two later, things will be good to go, and we'll get back to sex on a regular basis. And the interesting thing, and, and I don't know why no one talks about this, but it's a very real thing happen, happening with all women. Um, we are genetically wired as humans to procreate, obviously. Sure. Um, but we don't want to constantly be procreating. So mother nature, as amazing as she is, has created something super special to where when a woman delivers, there's, um, changes in hormones. So the testosterone drops, which is for a woman that's linked to her sex drive. So it drops and it does that at the same time as endorphins dropping in a steady stream out of the brain for about six to eight weeks post-delivery. And as far as what scientists have figured out, this is to help facilitate the grounding and bonding um, that needs to happen right after a baby's born between mother and child. And that is, you know, responding to your baby's cries or needs, nursing them, feeding them. And it's really important that this happens. Um, There's countless studies showing how much better off babies are with being held and right. laying on their mother's chest, hearing the heartbeat and, and all of that skin to skin contact. Now, if that is getting messed with because she wants to have sex, <laughs> you know, there's a good yeah. chance that that would be disrupted. <laughs> so, um, so all the, these, these chemical changes and hormone changes happen in a woman. And, um, like I said, mother nature is amazing. And, and, a huge part of that is kind of mother nature's birth control, right? So we don't end up getting pregnant like three weeks after delivery. (laughs) So I've had multiple conversations with girlfriends and a lot of times with them, they haven't really admitted this until years after birthing their children. And I don't know why this isn't something that's talked about, but a lot of women don't get their sex drive back until after they stop nursing their baby or like for some women they won't get their period for you know four or five six months after delivery even if they're formula feeding um but it's really until you're back into your normal cycle there's the hormones don't balance out and so you have zero sex drive and so um you know a lot of people are starting to talk about postpartum depression not just in women but in men and they're linking a lot of that to the lack of sex and men feeling like, you know, brushed aside right. or an, unimportant. And it's hard for them. Their their wife is nursing or she's 
you know, feeding during the night or she's the only one that can soothe them to sleep, whatever it is. And so they're lacking connection a lot of times, which can trigger depression in in men. And I I wish more people were having conversations around this because I think if we went into this knowing that this is a super normal human reaction it comes on after having a baby <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, for better or worse, it's like something you kind of have to grind through and survive just yeah. like having like, well, like the sleep deprivation, whatever. Yeah. If you put that on that list, it. that's great. If totally. I can, if I can uh, wrap my head around the fact that it is a part of this process, that's different than my wife just not being into me anymore. Right. Right. Like, right. Uh, I mean, on one hand, I have also put on weight as my wife has been carrying a child. Like, <laughs> Which I, I think that, that's kind of a thing, right? But I don't know why. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. She's growing a person and I'm putting on weight at the same rate. Like that doesn't right. make sense. But <laughs> but so then I get in my head. I'm like, oh, have I let myself go? Is it because she's not attracted to me anymore? Have I done something? Mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. she in a different mindset? And you the answer is like, yeah. yeah. And so then like I don't feel sexy either. I don't want to have sex. I end up depressed. Right. All those things come up. Right. As opposed to just being like, oh, this goes on the same list as we're not going to sleep much. We're probably going to smell weird around each other sometimes. There's going to be yeah. poop in places we haven't seen poop before. Right. Sex is going to be a while before we, before she wants to have sex again, probably before I do, but recognizing right. that thing. Right. And being able to put it on that list and frame it that way. And normalize it. Normalize it helps as opposed to she's not into me anymore. Right. Yeah. And here's where therapy comes in too, right? Like you're talking about getting into your head and being like, oh, if I let myself go, she's not attracted to me and da, da, da. And it's like, no, honey. <laughs> she's a normal new mom yeah yeah <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. and and I think that that this rift that no one's talking about um because no one's talking about it I think sometimes that rift forms and it's impossible to bridge again yeah. because too much of a gap forms and everyone's scared like we said earlier you know to be vulnerable right, right? so you don't right. want to admit like hey I'm I'm feeling you know not sexy like are you pushing me away and she's like what do you want to talk about this for I'm exhausted and <laughs> right. I'm leaking milk from my boobs and you want to talk <laughs> about sex you know and it, it can amp itself up right so therapy can help number one but I think even more than that just normalizing this right. that this is a transition you will go through as a partner and that's okay. Yeah. Talk about it. It stops the, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Mark Manson calls it the downward spiral of hell. Of hell I yes. Think. It's yes. like, cause that's. Oh my God. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. I'm reading, uh, the new, everything is fucked. A book of a story of hope, a book about hope right now. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. But yeah, that downward spiral of like, my mind is, uh, she doesn't want to have sex. She's not attracted to me. And then I, I'm aware enough to know, like, well, she's got more going on. Oh, now I feel like a shitty person because I'm, I'm being, I'm being selfish, selfish. Right. And she's got so much and going on. And now I'm an ass. Am I even pulling my weight around it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. and I have let myself go. So now I'm a fat, ugly, selfish asshole. <laughs> like, and it's just like that It's like spiral. time it's, yeah. out, everybody. Yeah. Deep breath. Deep breath. No, yeah. you're just a normal human. <laughs> right. This is a normal part of it. If we keep it at that level, yeah. that'll be okay. Well, and that's kind of why, I mean, as cheesy as this is going to sound, like, you know, we talked about, like, going out and having dinner together but maybe you'll find for her after delivering like the most romantic and sexy thing that you could do for her is to rub her feet for 20 minutes and then to the day and that could be your way of reconnecting and so you know it does sound a little hokey and a little cheesy but like if sex is not on the menu like what are some other like sensual kind of sexy things you could do that is still going to cement the bond that y'all have um that work for both of you yeah you know and just being open to be vulnerable together, to talk about your needs. And they right. could evolve week by week, yeah. and that's okay. I mean, I hope that they do. That's something I've said recently. Like, I mean, I obviously, we're having a baby. I enjoy sex. We have a good <laughs> sex life. I mean, maybe that's not obvious. I guess some people just make babies. But right. I do personally enjoy sex. As, and, as we all should. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I'm totally fine with the evolution of, we talked about our early 20s before, like I was an idiot. Yeah. And like. And chances are the sex was probably not very good then. Right. Right. (laughs) You've come a long way. Yeah. And (laughs) my perspective was totally different. Right. And now it's like, I enjoy sex on a different level than I used to. Sure. And uh, if you look at it without framing into the present time, like that's what I think also gets a lot of, not even just guys, but guys and, and women into trouble is like, oh man, 
you know, people used to think I was hot. I used to have so much fun. I used to get laid whenever I wanted. All of those. I have sex like, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wanted me. I was like the man around town and now I'm getting nothing. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, A, that's a totally like fallible connection to try to make. Like that, you can't equate those two things. Yeah, you can't compare 21 year old sex to <laughs> right. 37 year old expecting absence, a baby sex. <laughs> right. And the complete absence of self-awareness at 21. If I was Correct. actually able to go back and look at that and be like, oh no, I was an idiot. That yeah. Was, yeah, none of that yeah. was what I thought it was. I wouldn't want to date me back then. <laughs> yeah. Good God. Yeah. Um this seems like a good moment um to refill our mugs of wine. One of my favorite things to do here in New York is to ride the subway. I mm. absolutely love it. There's a lot of people that cringe when I say that. Like, oh, God, that's disgusting. Um, I love it. I call it the great equalizer because that's you're awesome. you're shoulder to shoulder with people from every walk of life, yeah. every color of skin, multiple economic backgrounds, yeah. um, super cool fashion style. Yeah. I always get inspired when I ride the train. <laughs> I love it. But it is so cool to ride a train and as a, a white woman to be a minority. Yeah. And, and the truth is that's reality yeah. the, of this world. Yeah. And um, I think that there's a lot of places in this country where people live in a bit of a bubble. Yeah. Right? It's kind of like we were talking about reframing, reframing sex, reframing the, the, the stages of child rearing also reframing what the subway is it doesn't have to suck it can it's actually an an exciting journey yeah and reframing the fact that as a as a white cis male uh i might not get to hold all of the cards all of the time anymore that to me is actually exciting to be able to reframe that and be like cool like let's see what else goes let's see what else happens i'm not worried about me frankly i'm not yeah scared like i don't need to drive the ship i'm happy to pass the baton to a woman fill in the blank 100 one of my approaches to kind of all of life is to get as much input from as many different uh, perspectives as possible that seems like the best answer to whatever the question might be right so i just don't i don't get my panties in a wide when there's the chance that i might not be steering the ship for a while like that to me seems cool that seems exciting yeah. And it seems scary to a lot of people. It seems like that, that that rebound is because people all of a sudden went, oh, no, we can't. No, we have to hold on tight. We have to, like, really stranglehold this because yeah. we need to be in charge. Oh, absolutely. And I, I talk about this all the time. I'm like, if I were a white man, you know, who had seen kind of the way things used to be where you were the breadwinner and, like, you were the single, you know, salary of the home and you're having to provide like that's a lot of pressure yeah (laughs) you know and like how great is it that women are now graduating there are more women graduating college now with degrees than men are graduating so there are more women going into the workplace and the truth is is i mean we'll get into in a minute but like with my company little spoon we are constantly studying the stats around new parents and 80 percent of new parents are millennials and of those millennials 70 percent are dual working parent homes and I would think that for men that's a relief right knowing that you have a partner who's helping you carry that weight and and helping to provide for your family together right you don't have all of that solely on your shoulders you know um I don't know I mean right it like reframe right let's always look for the good right (laughs) it it seems like a a more enjoyable way to just do things across the board partnership I yeah right and I I mean for the my lot in life is to uh, be uh, attracted to powerful, motivated women, mm-hmm. and uh, so I mean, there's no denying that my wife is the breadwinner of our family. So I've I live in a situation where like it's not even really a question for me. Like yeah, I, so a lot of these she's things giving are, you the ability to yeah flex your creative muscles right. and to like fully be yourself. And right, that's my, really spectacular. My career has only thrived from the chance of, of having that, from that relationship, from yeah. her giving me that chance and her being supportive of that. And so there's no part of me that doesn't think that would translate to parenthood also. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to, to figure out our partnership. And like I said, like we don't have maybe the traditional gender, no, gender norm roles. But we, who's to say that's going to last like, sure. you know, yeah. like five years that could totally be And I'm down right? with whatever the, ver- that's what I like about it is it kind of means like, I guess we'll figure it like, we'll see, let's yeah. figure it out. Just like raising kids in New York. That's not the way that I came up. Just, you know, all of the things I enjoy the chance to do it differently than I know it. Cause that means I have yeah. to figure out what that frame is. Yeah. It, it's, there's a lot of shifting happening. Um, but the thing I'm most excited about is really just transparent conversations about people's vulnerabilities, challenges, yeah. 
I think that it is the most empowering thing to people going or about to go through the transition like you. Yeah. Right. Like um, I, as an entrepreneur, constantly mentor other people and I'm always happy to grab a coffee with someone who's looking to get into the food business or start their own thing and, and give bits and pieces of advice. You know, if I can help someone avoid some of the, you know, pitfalls that I had to deal with and they can circumnavigate it, like, why wouldn't I do that? I mean, we like, we should be doing this as humans. Like if you can help make someone's life a little bit easier, of course, <laughs> you know, hundred percent. Let's, so. let's talk about that. Let's talk about, uh, your company and also some of the cool work that you guys are doing. Not that's, that's on brand, but as a kind of a branch for you guys. So yeah, totally little spoon. So I have little spoon, which is a fresh baby food delivery service, um, at the moment, but really if you step back and, um, and, and see the bigger vision of what we're building. We're creating a uh, the ultimate nutrition solution for families. Great. So we've started with baby food because it makes sense. It's sure. baby's first bites, right? Um, but there's lots of plans to evolve. Um, two different product lines will be launching before the end of 2019, which we're really, oh, really great. excited about. Can't share anything about it quite sure yet, so. um, but uh, really, really cool stuff coming down the pipeline. But at the end of the day, um, what we make for babies, additive, preservative free, it's made fresh, like mom or dad made it, and it's subscription-based. So you order two weeks of food at a time. You can order one, two, or three meals a day, sends um, straight to your home, pop it in the fridge, and it's good for two weeks until the awesome. next delivery comes. You can shift your deliveries easily. There's no cancellation fees. If you're traveling, we send to hotels. Oh, great. Um, in-laws, yeah, great. grandma and grandpa can take the delivery <laughs> for you. So we really try to make it as flexible as possible cool. because we know like parenting is challenging enough yeah, as it is. And you've got parents, a million things firsthand. to remember. Yeah. Like the last thing you want to think about is like shifting your baby food delivery. <laughs> um, so whatever we can do to make it more easeful. Awesome. But interestingly, so because we ship direct to our customers, we have a really special relationship with them and we can speak directly to them, right? Like we're emailing them, here's your reminder and FYI, you know, we're out of stock of this flavor because this ingredient's out of season. Um, And so there's just a constant communication going on and inevitably we have people that message our care team and, you know, they need to check in on an order or, you know, any any number of reasons they would ask us questions. But we found, um, interestingly, as we've grown our care team, who all happen to be parents, uh, coincidentally, a lot of them were Little Spoon customers that were just really passionate about the brand and wanted to work with us. So um, they have conversations with their customers, obviously helping them solve their problems and um, get them the answers they need. But we found uh, that a lot of customers were kind of, I think, in a traditional context, oversharing. Um, so, you know, like mentioning things like, oh my God, I haven't had sex with my husband since the baby was born. Is that normal? They're like, I need to double my butternut squash (laughs) order also. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Or like, I want to murder my mother-in-law or, you know, like she came to help me out with the baby and I'm having to make her gourmet meals at night. What the hell? Um, so no, it's been really interesting. And so obviously like, a, like bravo to my care team because they're superstars and are just so anecdotal and disarming to new parents that inherently are anxious and nervous about, yeah, that's great. you know, transitioning their kids to food and and all the things that come with that. Um, but that they're disarming our customers so much that they feel comfortable enough to share something that personal yeah. or vulnerable, right? Um, so we realized that there was clearly a void. And I think this loops back to the whole social media that we were talking about before and this idea of perfectionism around parenthood yeah. that everybody's just so sick of. Like, enough already. Let's be real. So we created this really cool parenting platform called Is This Normal? And it's at isthisnormal.co. We also have an Instagram handle, Is This Normal? And the whole idea is that it's a completely anonymous platform that parents can go to And they can submit a question, you know, is this normal that I have to pee every time I run now that I've had a baby? (laughs) Yes, it's normal, right? Yeah. Is it normal that I had a black hair grow out of my nipple? (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, it's normal. You know, the, yeah. the whole idea is that these like crazy, like cringeworthy, embarrassing so things yeah. actually are normal yeah. and that there is someone out there who's gone through what you're going through yeah. and you don't have to be alone. And so we have experts that we're drawing across different, you know, parenting areas, whether it's, um, you know, sleep experts or postpartum depression experts, psychologists, um, registered dietitians. We've really like pulled in an amazing crew of experts to answer these questions. That's awesome. So it's not just like a random mom that's giving her <laughs> two cents. I mean, it's legit like top of their industry experts that are weighing in on these issues that clearly lots of people are having, yeah. but they're too nervous, embarrassed, fill in the blank to share with their partner or their in-laws or their best friends. Um, so it's been really cool. Like we had Ariana Huffington share her normal. Um, we've had Mindy Weissman. Um, oh, that's great. A lot of amazing, amazing people. Um, so yeah, it, there's a really That's cool great. groundswell going. It's been very well received. And I think a lot of people are kind of having this collective sigh of relief of like, oh, thank God, like somebody's actually talking about this yeah. and I am totally normal, yeah. you know? So it's been, it's been very cool. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I mean, there is the social media aspect of overly filtered and unattainably perfect, right? but also that gives us the chance to, to rebound to counteract that and say like yeah. let's do just as much like here's the real shit here's the here's what we're actually yeah. this is this normal i don't i mean you know i uh this this might get edited um once <laughs> once my once my Your boss better half. yeah once <laughs> once the final edit gets approved um but a couple of nights ago oh god uh, yeah <laughs> well we'll see what she thinks about this story being out there but she got up from bed to go to the bathroom. That happens. She, you know. Oh, especially like when you're leading up to those last couple months before delivery. You literally have to pee every yeah. hour. She, yeah, she pees all the time. And you know that this again, Mother Nature, goddess that she is. <laughs> um, it, this is your way of prepping for waking up at night. Really, I literally, didn't that. I didn't. It, know it's that. it's a That's... transition. So like you have to get up to pee, and it's like preparing a mother for having wow. to get up and respond to the baby. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's the the female body is just. Crazy. It's epic, right? It is epic. Truly. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it like, as someone who finds myself attracted to powerful women, like now I find all women powerful and I'm just like, oh, this is so scary, but also awesome. Like Tr truly, going like, back to like steering the ship, like yeah. why the fuck not? Like, yeah. They <laughs> yeah, they do all the things. And, and awesome. Like, I feel like that's such an overused word, but like when yeah. you really truly think about what awesome means. I think it's the perfect word to describe a woman's body. Yeah. Like truly. I I do not disagree. It's like it's at one it's at the same time totally natural and the way it's always been and also mind-blowing. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me and it's also the way it has always been. Right. <laughs> I know. It, it's like it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Full stop. It's awesome. <laughs> So, okay, uh, tell right. me so about this crazy said, story. My, my <laughs> wife and her awesome uh, body, yes. uh, she gets up to go to the bathroom and she's walking into the bathroom, which is right next to our bedroom, and she sneezes. And this is what I hear. I hear, oh, man. She peed. She, yes. she was like steps away from the toilet and the sneeze came to her first. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there. I'm not so, going to lie. We've all been there. So hashtag is this normal? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> I remember when I was pregnant all with all three boys, um, like in that final trimester, I would plan my outings around where there was an accessible bathroom. Really? I kid you not. Like I knew where there was one on Union Square <laughs> by Washington Square Park, you know, Midtown. Yeah. I knew where there was a handful. And like literally sometimes like you can't even make it a block because it's like you have to pee and you needed to pee like two minutes ago. Like it comes on <laughs> like a tidal wave. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to explain until you've been in it. But it's scary. You don't want to pee your pants. <laughs> like, that's embarrassing. Um, we should put uh, on either like uh you know our instagram page or yours we should put together a, like a, a crowdsourced map of bathrooms for moms oh my god i love that why not right like it's kind of like ways like we yes. should just do like a crowdsourced oh my god anybody who's listening that's like an app development expert yeah, we need an this app. is yeah. like the next money maker <laughs> yeah for real yeah let's do it yeah <laughs> 
I um, love it. Right? Why not? Will you just pop totally. on in real quick and be like, oh, good. I'm I'm less than a quarter mile from the closest restroom. I'm exactly. Okay All right. And they can like set an alarm to go off on their phone. Like you're getting, you're getting close. You got to get to that bathroom. We're hurry, hurry. We're making money right here. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, let's, that, that, that's a fun transition. Let's talk about um, uh, things that, uh, honest product reviews. Um, it's not necessarily like a tool or a thing, but I am so sick and tired of parents gifting stuffed animals. They are <laughs> completely pointless. They yeah. do nothing. This is a hot I'm like, is, the, I'm is this making my kids sleep? No. Is this um, helping them like, you know, get filled up on breast milk faster? Uh, no. Like, you know, like, is this giving me like hands free time? No. In but fact, they I can't don't have, care. they can't sleep with it for a while. No. Like, it's actually a SIDS risk. Right. You're not supposed to have anything in the crib, right? Do you think what so what is it? Is it like everyone wants the thing that they get you to be the one? Because like one's gonna get through, right? Like well, I had a Snoopy, my brother sure. had a Ted Ted, my sister had a Lammy. Like, yeah, everyone no, I has had a snuffles. Yeah, he was so. a little gunned bearer. And actually he sits on my nightstand. I still have him. See, that's legit. That's no, very real. Amazing. See? It's totally So is amazing. it just that everyone thinks that theirs they're is gonna be, be the, the magical one? one? Yeah. Um, possibly. I will say this though, for my three boys, they ended up with lovies, not like a proper stuffed animal, okay. but they yeah. would hold on to that. And I think I introduced it to them in their crib, like maybe around month, like five, six or seven ish, okay. somewhere where they started sleeping through the night. And it would be this like soft material that they could like rub in their hands or they could like rub on their nose and it would just help pacify them to fall asleep. Okay. None of my boys took pacifiers for whatever reason. And this kind of sort of did that for them, right? Yeah. And um, and it was, you know, attached to their hip. My middle son had a little, um, he called it his baby. But then, like, his thing was, instead of rubbing it, he sucked on it. So it started to smell literally <laughs> like death. So then we started calling it Stinky Baby. <laughs> and literally, like, going to bed at night, he'd be like, where's Stinky Baby? And it was like, it was, I washed that thing in vinegar, baking soda. Like I literally, I bleached it. I tried all the things and it smelled like death. It was like a dying animal. Um, but here, like, this is the most important advice about a lovey is you need to have, what they say is you need a pair and a spare. So you need three <laughs> identical loveys okay. because if they end up getting attached to it, there's a very good chance it'll get lost. And I've been through this. And like, it, you know, you hear stories about heroin addicts like going clean and going through withdrawals. Like yeah. I swear to God, kids will mimic a <laughs> heroin addict going through withdrawals. <laughs> okay. It's it's terrifying. Okay. And, and it, you'll have this amazing, like a kid that sleeps through the night, 12 hours. And then if they lose their lovey or their baby, oh my God, like it, bedtime becomes a four hour ordeal. Okay. It's terrifying. So what I say is get the parent is bare and okay. rotate all three okay. because they they get they understand that there's a smell to it. Okay. So if you're not rotating it, then so one's going to be really worn and the yeah. other two will be like too clean. Okay. You know what I mean? So you can't just keep two in the bullpen. Yeah. You have to rotate starters to make sure that everything exactly. is evenly worn. Yeah, because okay. inevitably one's going to get left on like a plane Do or at then, grandma's house. You know? Did you ever go? Did you then replace that one? Like, is it always three? Like, if you lose one. You then I just I was down to two. Up, then you're just down to two and hope yeah. that you make it. Okay. And yeah, fingers cool. and toes are crossed. Um, <laughs> okay. And yeah, I don't. Pierce, it was funny. He had a he had like a blanket, and it started to like shred apart, and so it became this web of like pieces of fabric connected. <laughs> and he would literally like stick his legs through it at night, and like wrap it around his arms and legs. And oh my god, right. okay. But eventually, yeah. like one day, all of a sudden, they're just like, yeah, I don't need this anymore. Yeah. And that's that. And it's interesting to see them kind of close the loop on something yeah. as time goes by. So get prepared for that. All right. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I don't even have stages yet to miss, but I, I know. am anticipating missing the different stages like oh, once they're gone. The best one is the first one. And it's I, I this is going to sound really weird and creepy probably, but it, I call it baby head. But <laughs> this sounds real weird. All right, go but on. no, the smell of a brand new baby's head is literally the most beautiful and sweet smell in the world. Yeah. And it lasts for a very short window of time. Okay. So as weird as it sounds, like when your son falls asleep on your chest or in your arms, 
smell his head. Don't be, don't be scared. To don't smell be creepy. Baby. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's nobody, okay. nobody is going to like think you're bizarre or whatever, yeah, but like okay. smell his head. Okay. And it is just like the best smell in the world. Okay. I love it. I love it. I mean, like, oh, I would give anything to be able to smell my kid's head. <laughs> That's so weird. That's so weird. No, I love true. that. I love that. Yeah. Like that was the harder thing to get to than talking about sex for you. That was like you're like I just the baby uh, head. Okay, baby head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's weird is that our apartment right now we've got all the stuff right. Mm-hmm. We don't have a baby yet. Baby stuff smells like a baby. Like it. Mm-hmm. Like I. I. It smells so clean. Yeah. It yeah. just smells like. It like smells cloud. like a, a nursery on a Monday. Like when I've gone yeah. to whatever. Like, yeah. It smells like yeah. Like clouds and sunshine yeah flowers and spring and right and wait until they start spinning up and having diaper blowouts and (laughs) oh i bet nobody's told you this yet get ready for this well i don't know if jen's planning to like try to breastfeed Mm -hmm. that's the hope and look yeah the The hope and hope is great right like i always say expect the worst hope for the best right because you never really know like what kind of restrictions will be there for you that's why we cued the sirens for that moment right now yeah (laughs) (laughs) our soundtrack is really on point today exactly (laughs) we don't need a soundboard with special effects we've got new york as our background it's amazing but no i will say this one thing that i thought was so cool no one told me this and then when i discussed it with friends i they were like yeah of course you didn't know that Um, but if you breastfeed your baby, like Mm -hmm. before you introduce solids, it's just breast milk that they're, they're eating. Mm -hmm. Um, their poop doesn't smell. Okay. It's like a little, like kind of a weird, like tiny bit of a sour smell, but it's like, like a sour orange or like, you know, it's not not an offensive smell. Yeah. Not like gag inducing, whatever. But I thought that was so cool. Isn't that also, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'd love to be wrong about this. Aren't the blowouts early on too though because it's like only a liquid intake so the good news is it doesn't smell the bad news is they will be covered in it often is mm-hmm. that okay mm-hmm. all right yeah no it's funny I was having a conversation with my oldest the other day and I was like yeah Pierce I remember like you used to have these massive poops and it would like shoot up your back and like up to your neck and like soak your onesie I just strip you down multiple times a day and he thought that was the most hilarious thing ever <laughs> like yeah it wasn't that funny when it was happening but I, I don't know what's up with that. Yeah. Why can we also invent something that like helps contain that? It feels like <laughs> it feels like the diaper isn't quite doing its job because I know, people right? do talk about blow it like that. It's, I've a, heard, it's a thing. I haven't it's heard the positive side of them not thing. smelling. So I'm looking forward to that part. But yeah. everyone talks about like, oh, there will be poop on the back of their head. It will be. Oh, oh like it, it's like, like <laughs> a rocket blasts up to their neck. No, it's, it's at, but it's so funny, too, because like especially the first couple of weeks, it is like the noise. Like it sounds <laughs> like a firecracker went off and you're like. Like, oh my God, you're so little. How did you make that noise? It's bananas. It's bananas. I like, I love it. There's so many anomalies, but it also goes by so fast, you yeah. know, like the, all these crazy stories we've just like touched on happen in like the first like three to six months. Yeah. And then you like move on. Um, so you have to like really, I think if there's anything to say about parenthood, um, that will help you like enjoy the good times, appreciate the bad, or at least survive the bad. Um, but like you have to appreciate the journey of it all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, everything. You like, got to ride the subway. You got to enjoy the subway. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. And cool. there's like lessons in all of it. Um, and, you know, you can you can certainly look at raising a child and parenthood and and see the negative. Like there's literally always something to complain about, whether <laughs> yeah. it's like, getting woken up in the middle of the night to be informed that they had to go to the bathroom. And and you're like, okay, did you go? Yeah, I'm going back to bed. Great. Thank you so much for waking me up to tell me that. You know, to the, the, you know, stomach bugs, to packing lunches, to, you know, all these things that are so crazy. But, um, you know, there's, you can take a a shift of your mindset and start seeing the good, right? So for every bad thing like them coming to tell you they went to the bathroom maybe they were proud that they made it to the bathroom and didn't have an accident they wanted you to know how cool is that they want you to know yeah yeah so like you know it's it's all about perspective right and and really if you think about it from that point of view of like enjoy the journey and always look for the good at every stage then it's so cool (laughs) yeah 
You'll you'll be a spectacular father. I know this. Thanks. I'm sure that I will be <laughs> calling off the air with plenty of questions and complaints, and I'll be three a.m. text messages, SOS, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're going to be like, I know these are anonymous, but these all sound really similar. <laughs> Jonathan, is this you? Are you? <laughs> well, that, that parenting platform is going 24-7, so we're there for you. Give us, uh, th- I think we, we can wrap up. This was amazing. This is really good. Yeah. Give us give us one more plug for uh, how to reach uh, you at Little Spoon and how to reach the uh, yeah. Is This Normal platform. Yeah, so littlespoon.com. Just pop on over to our site. Everything's as easy as can be. We tried to build our website to be as uh, simple and straightforward as possible so a sleep-deprived parent can navigate it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Literally I mean, in their sleep. <laughs> smart, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, if you need anything, we have live texting on the site. Um, and we have 19 hours a day Great. of support, uh, seven days a week. So if you message us, then one of our care team members are responding if it's not me. So Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Of course. This was great. Yeah. Operation Dad Pod is recorded at FOU Studios in New York City, produced by Jonathan Gregg and Iseli Vega, and music by Mark Allen.